you know, folks, uh, Brian was right on. I, there's there's a few things that I really, really enjoy doing. Um, one of those things, as you notice, I, I love uh, posting pictures of my grandbabies and loving on them and all that. I just confess, I really do. You know, you 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 have those guys, and you think to yourself, "Is there, you know, any anything that you can love like that?" And you see them, and they just melt your heart. And so, I'm just standing up here confessing that they're just the sweetest things, and they got their pop pops wrapped around their fingers. So now that we've got past that, you know, I love that. I, I love that. I love preaching the gospel to the lost and dying, uh, regardless uh, of, of what you see in the in the in the immediacy of it. Uh, the effect that it has upon people. Uh, you know, I've, I've preached literally around the world over the last 20 years. I've preached from the streets of the red light district in Amsterdam to Muslim nations, to the inner cities all across this nation. And sometimes, yeah, you preach the word as an instant response. It, you just happen to show up as that fruit's ready to come off that tree. Uh, but more often than not, you're the one that is the one bringing that source of life to people. And, you know, we've heard testimonies of people that have contacted us 10 years after the fact. Why? Because his word is not something that just comes out of our mouth and just falls harmless to the ground. It's a living word. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces into someone, and it's that place that faith is born because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I love being the instrument that God utilizes, whether it's on Bourbon Street here week after week or, or some other place or in a grocery store, wherever you may find yourself. I love to be the person that gets to deposit faith into somebody's life because we know that Salvation comes by grace through faith. God's always pouring down grace. Where sin abounds, his grace abounds even greater. But it's our response to go out into all the world and preach the gospel. Because how can they know unless we preach? We're the ones that deliver that agency of faith through the preaching of the word of God. So I love that. And the third thing I really love, I, I love getting into the word of God. I've said for, for years, get into God's word. God's word will get into you. Folks, we can have a lot of opinions, and we, we're in that season of, of, of opinions. You know, all of this nonsense, I'll just call it what it is, uh, all the nonsense and all this political process, and we think that this person is going to be the savior of a nation. All these Folks, listen, they're about 2,000 years late. Do you hear me? They're about 2,000 years late. They're not, they're not the ones that are going to save me. My righteousness is not built upon who the Republicans or the Democrats uh, nominate. The word of God tells me that the government shall be upon his shoulders and to it, there shall be no end. And so, you know what? Whatever happens in all these things, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord will deliver us from them all. I know that in this world, I'm going to suffer persecution. I'm going to suffer tribulation. But do not fear, for I have overcome the world and the Democrats and the Republicans and all those other things in between. And so I thank God that I'm just a, a sojourner. You know what? I, I'm, I'm not even qualified to vote because my uh, citizenship is in heaven. You can take that for what it's worth. But uh, the, the word of God is that thing that endures forever and ever. You know, heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will not pass away. That's why it's so important for God's people to get into the word of God. But he tells us in First Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1, and I, I believe this is really and you can write that down. If you're taking notes, I'll try to breath every once in a while so you can write those things down. Uh, or if not, they broadcast it live and you can go back and read that. But I want to give you a lot of information in a short amount of time. Okay, tonight really it's kind of an introduction to our study on Galatians. But write some of these things down kind of as bullet points in your mind to go back and think about those things later. But 
when you're talking about the epistle to Galatians, you're talking about a book or a letter that is so relevant for our day and age. And as we dig deeper into it over the uh, the, the next, I was going to say next few weeks, probably be the next few months, unless the Lord Jesus happens to return uh, before the, uh, the the fall elections or something like that, whatever it may be, um, what we're going to see is just how relevant and how important it is. This letter that was written to these churches 2,000 years ago at the hand of the, the apostle Paul. But First Timothy 4.1 tells us that, that in the last days, in latter times, and I believe that we live in the last days. Now, whether if those last days are uh, a few weeks or a few years, you know, I'm not some prognosticator along those lines. But I'm wise enough and smart enough and experienced enough to know that we're a lot nearer to his return than when we used to be. Okay, so I believe that we're living in the last days, if not the last days. So I don't know what that means to, to you. Uh, I don't know what your your uh, what your your belief on end times are. But at the end of the day, he's going to come back when he comes back. But I believe we're living in that hour and that season in that. But since you not know that in the last days that many will depart from the faith. You hear me? So what are they going to depart from? Are they going to depart from an experience? That's not what he said. Because we live in a day and age that's filled with experiential Christianity. How do you know that? Well, I felt it. Well, folks, I felt a lot of things that weren't Jesus. Do you hear me? Whether it was when I was saved or when it was when I was unsaved. I felt a lot of things that were not Jesus. I thought a lot of things that weren't Jesus. I went through a lot of experience that, you know what, if you'd have given me an opportunity, I would have swore on my life that they were of God. But, folks, listen, there's this thing right here that maintains and it, it, it endures through the test of time. But he said something is going to happen in the last days that many are going to depart from the faith, this source. Unfortunately, much of the church that has described itself as the church, little c, has already departed from the faith. And it says they're going to give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. So they had to have come to the faith to depart from the faith. And so the church of the Lord Jesus Christ has been built upon faith. Because once again, we're saved by grace through faith, Ephesians 2 and 8. Not of works so that no man would be able to boast. We know that it's a gift of God. Then we become his workmanship, created unto good works. But many have departed the faith. Because you can't ever be a part of the, 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 the body of Christ, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about Cross Life or First Baptist or First Assembly. I'm not talking about... Those type of churches, I'm talking about the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the church of the redeemed, those that have put faith in the finished work of the cross of Calvary. But he said, many will depart from what it took to be a part of that to begin with. You hear what I'm saying? They'll depart from what it took to be a part of that to begin with. Paul the Apostle said in, in what, 1 Corinthians 2 and 2, he said, listen, I'm determined not to know anything among you except Christ Jesus and him crucified. What's central to every part of my belief system is what Jesus Christ provided for me upon the finished work of the cross of Calvary. And he said, listen, I'm determined not to bog myself down with all of these other things, with whether or not our government's ran by the Illuminati or whether or not that the uh, Republicans, that Jesus would vote Republican or, or any of these. I'm, I'm determined not to know any of those other things, but Christ and him crucified. Folks, listen. When I first started pastoring, I'm nearly 50 years old. When I started pastoring in my early 20s, I felt obligated to win every single argument. I really did. You know, my, my, my desire be, be, before answering the call to preach, if I could use that type of terminology, was to, to, to go to law school and parlay that into a political career and, and, and do all those things. But, man, fortunately, I got saved. So I gave up 
uh, uh, the law. I gave up politics. I gave up golf. I never played golf, but I told somebody the other day if I played golf, I'd have to backslide into some unredemptive state. You know, have mercy on you guys that play golf. But I said, you know, listen, when I used to be caught up in those type of things, even when I first started preaching the gospel in the open air, in the in, in the street corner, so to speak, on the streets. Uh, you know, even at that, I felt obligated to to get off on these tangents and feel like I could win these arguments. And I was always vying for those type of things. And folks, listen, I could argue. I told some brothers last night. I said I was just that guy that you did not want to argue with. Man, I'd argue. I didn't even believe just to win the argument. You know, I had an anointing for arguing, if you could even call it something repulsive like that. I, I, I like to do that. I could spit out more information and hit you with more facts and figures than you could ever answer uh, intelligently in, inside of that 30 seconds that I could deliver those things. Folks, I felt obligated to win those arguments. I don't feel obligated to win any argument now. Period. You want to believe that? Have at it. Have fun. I'm preaching Christ and him crucified, the power of God. You want to talk about that and who's going to get in the Supreme Court? Well, I can tell you who's in the Supreme Court. He don't have any peers. He's Christ the King. Amen. He's going to come with the fierceness of the wrath of the Almighty God. It's him that's going to tread out the, 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 the wrath of God and bring judgment upon the world. I know all those things. And so if you want to argue all of those other points, go find somebody else to argue with because I gave up those things for the sake of the gospel. But the word says many are going to depart from that faith and they're going to be giving over to seducing spirits. Folks, if I use the word tonight, I said, what is a seductress? What would you think a seductress would? Now, we live in the, 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 the day and age that, that our hearts, our mind, the highway is inundated with, with imagery. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to go to some pornographic site to see something that you shouldn't be looking at. Just drive down the West Bank Expressway. Whether it's the ad for the new rot that's coming up and, and, and showing scantily clad women or, or, or there's, there's, now there's junkyards that have women without their clothes on. I'm like, what on earth is that? Oh, that's for pull apart. You've got to be kidding me that they're showing somebody like that. Well, what does that tell you? That tells you that people have bought into something seductive. Now, you're never going to be seduced by that which you're not attracted to, period. You notice they don't put some girl on the, on the billboard in a bikini with a gigantic ward on the nose. They're just not going to do that. You know, forgive me for you folks tonight that have warts on your nose. I don't mean anything by, it, by that. I might have one on my nose that I don't see. But we're seduced and drawn away by our own lust and enticed. So it's got to be something that there's an appeal to. There's something that sounds just enough like it. It's somebody, you know, in here, no doubt in a room like this, there's probably uh, among the older crowd people that have gone through marriage and divorce, right? Some of you said to yourself, listen, man, I got, or somebody may listen by the Internet. You may say, man, I, I made a big mistake. Or I was in, even some of you that hadn't been married. Man, I was in a relationship. I thought that was it. But I made a big mistake. Well, why did you think it was it? Well, because you were seduced into that relationship. They looked the right way. They said the right things. They'd done the right things. And, 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 and it seems something appealed to your flesh. Something just, just scratched you in the right place, so to speak, and, and made you think that this might be the one. That all of a sudden the wheels fell off of that wagon and you had to face a reality. Folks, listen, the wheels are falling off the wagon of the modern church. The modern church has been seduced into something that's promised them all of these things, and they've never been able to deliver the goods. They've offered these things. They've been seduced by things that cater to the flesh. But how many of you know that flesh and blood, those things of the natural, cannot inherit his kingdom? Right? 
Now, folks, when I'm talking about that, obviously there's an inheritance to coming. We're, you know, we're, we're talking about one day that, that the natural man is going uh, to gonna put on a, a supernatural body, and there we're going to be with him together for the air. But you know what? Even that natural man that cannot inherit the kingdom, do you not know that the kingdom doesn't even come with observation, Jesus said? But the kingdom is inside of you. And so there's a realization, there's an understanding of God's kingdom, the, the influence of his kingdom that's inside of anyone that would just dare to submit themselves to God, to resist the devil, watch him flee, and to have that type of relationship with him. But the church has been drawn away from that type of relationship built upon truth. And I'm not just talking about a logos truth or even a, 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 a rhema truth, a, a revelation of his word. I'm talking about in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. I'm talking about a relationship with Jesus. Do you hear what I'm saying? And speaking through this word that he is uh, 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 beautifully and graciously given to every one of us. But there's a seduction that's coming that says, listen, what do you want God to look like? Who do you want him to be? Go back to the book of Exodus, and you can see when the people saw that Moses had delayed in coming down from the mountain, they, they went to Aaron, who was the high priest at the time, and they said, make us gods that we can follow. And Aaron, being the spineless jellyfish at the time that he was, he said, well, take off the earrings and the bracelets off of your children. And it said that he gave me, threw them in the fire, and he made them a molted calf. They made him, they made gods that they could follow that were uh, uh, made up of things that were valuable to them. And folks, listen, you're seeing the modern church do that same type of thing. Why? Because they've departed from the faith. Why? Because this Jesus that people keep talking about the last days, he's delayed coming back. So what we need, we need a God that we can follow, not a God that says, be holy as I'm holy, but a God that says through his million dollar smile, be happy as I'm happy. You hear what I'm saying, folks? But listen, God doesn't have a wonderful plan for your life. He's got a wonderful plan for your death. You hear me? That's the ones that he can use. Those willing to deny themselves, die even to self daily. As Paul the Apostle said, I crucify myself every day. Deny yourself. Take up your cross, that instrument of your own demise, that things that seduce you, those things of the desire of your heart, and follow after Jesus. But the only way we do that is coming back to this word. 2 Timothy 3.16. You got your Bible turned there. 2 Timothy 3.16, talking about this word that's going to get inside of us. I believe it's going to empower some of us to avoid the seductress that, that the modern church has. You know what, folks? Listen, we, we see the seduction of the world, right? You see that. You see that coming from a mile away. How many of you know it's not a good thing to go to www.somehotgirl.com? You know that, don't you? Period. And I'm, I'm keeping this just as G-rated as possible. That's the reality. You know that's not the thing, too. Why? Because you see that garbage coming a mile away. How many of you know it's not good to, to go down to the corner and, and buy you some heroin and, and, and rig yourself up and stick a needle in your arm? How many of you know that's not the thing to do? Now, folks, that's not how the enemy is, 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 has made his cottage industry. What does he do? He seduces you by those things that, that look enough like a good thing. You know, look enough like I'm just taking this for my nerves. So the problem with this nation isn't a nation on illicit street drugs. It's people that have been prescribed all of these things. And a doctor, as long as the doctor says it's okay. You know, I can move to Colorado and me, you know, burning that blunt's not a sin anymore because they said it was okay. You see what I'm saying? And so people have departed from the truth. And they've given heed to seducing spirits and doctrines or teachings of the devil. Second Timothy 3.16, what's it say? All scripture. It's breathed, right? It's theopneustos. It's God breathed. And it's good for what? 
instruction, reproof, correction, training. Amen? Whatever translation you got, it all comes out the same way. It's good. It's God-breathed. So who wrote the Bible? God wrote the Bible. When people get into these arguments with you, who wrote the Bible? Who wrote the Bible? It was God-breathed. So God dictated it to holy men of old who wrote those things down. They penned it with man's hand. Why? Because God is a spirit, right? So just like a secretary would walk into an attorney's office and she, he says, write me a letter. She writes the letter. He signs his signature. Folks, that's what God has done. He signed the signature of this word with the Holy Spirit. He's the delivery agent into our lives. So all scripture, it's good for those things, for instructions in righteous, reproof, 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 and correction. Try saying that three times real quick. And so we see the benefit of those things. So tonight as we dive into Galatians, I want you to keep those things in mind, that God is bringing his back, self back to a church, bringing the church back to his word, to a place that we can avoid the seducing spirits. Not like the things we see. I can walk down Bourbon Street and not a single thing out there appeals to me. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to say, man, I better not go out in that place and preach because, man, I may get caught up in that. Get caught up in that? Have you smelt that place? Have you seen the nonsense that goes on in a place? There's nothing seducing about that. And so there's certain things that you might dive into. Said, you know, for me, there, you know, some people say, man, I can't be around because I smell it and it makes me want a beer. Well, I came from a family of alcoholics. I never drank. I never did drugs. Why? Because I saw how crazy it made everybody in my family. And I don't want to be crazy like them. So I said, no way. I know what that does. And so those things wouldn't be a seduction to me. But, folks, it doesn't matter what it is, something that looks uh, less benign. It might be pride. It might be – that's what it was for me when I wanted to win all those arguments. Watch me. I'm going to show you something. It was pride, which is just as big a devil as heroin or, or, or sexual immorality, any of those things that come in. Why? Because it begins to gnaw away at the root of that. But the antidote for every one of those things is the Word of God. And so Galatians, I, I said it was so relevant today because it addresses those things head on. So tonight, we're going to begin to look at this. It's important because it's a book, really, that one wonders the church and, and really for myself, I think about Western civilization would be had it not been for the truth that is right here in the book of Galatians. You ever think about it when you study the word? Where would we be man, without that word? Where would we be without the revelation of that truth? You know, most of us here are probably not Lutherans. Maybe you came from a Lutheran background. Where would many people in the church be had not that, 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 that Catholic monk not got a revelation one day of the, 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 the doctrine of, of justification by faith? Where would the church be without somebody's eyes opening up? Where would we be without these truths that are here? Where would we be without knowing that we're justified by faith? That's what Galatians is all about. And, 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 and the finished work of Christ Jesus alone is really the genus. It's the, 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 the basic principle for everything that's, that's Christian. But what we see here is just like then, something always tries to come in and pervert the rest of it. And once it happens, just like dominoes begin to fall, everything falls with it. Now, I could do an, I could do really a, an inventory of this room today. And ask every one of us who, that we're honest, man, did you ever find yourself biting on something that seemed so good? That somebody told you it was Bible and it did something to you at the moment. And, man, it just pulled you off into a tangent or a rabbit trail of life. And you thought to yourself later on, man, how did I get sucked into that? How did I find myself buying into something that at the end of the day I thought to myself, was it again that I thought that was Jesus? 
Because we live in the day of in age where everybody's name dropping. If you want to drop Hannah's name or Ariel's name or Christina's name or Polly's name, go drop those names. But we're in the name of God, the God told me so name dropping. Now, listen, I spend a whole lot of time with God, and I hope you do too. Amen? He's right there. Just talk to him. He's, he's right there with you. He, he loves that fellowship and communion. But I'm this guy that don't go around all the time saying God told me or showed me this. He don't need me speaking. He didn't appoint me as his, his spokesperson or, 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 or the guy that, that, that comes out at the press conferences for him. I'm, I'm not that guy. I preach his word. And listen, if God said it, I don't have to sit around being that prognosticator. What's going to happen? The spirit of self will bear witness with your spirit. Something's going to happen. You don't need me backing you into a corner and saying, I'm going to speak the truth, and God's going to speak by his Holy Spirit into your life. That's all I need to do. Do you hear me? I don't need to be, thus saith the Lord and all these type of things. God is good enough at saying what he needs to say to our hearts. Amen? But what you've seen in this day and age is we want to validate experience with God said. Now, folks, I've talked I've had people call me up and want advice. 30 years of ministry, 25 years of pastoral ministry, church planting. I've had tons of people call me up and say, hey, listen, I want to talk to you about something. And so I'm listening. But there's a point in that conversation where the conversation is over, and I will just dismiss myself from it. When they're asking me a question, in the midst of that, they're telling me, God told me such and such. Once that happens, I know that, okay, if God told you that, what are you doing trying to buy me against what you think God said? Because if you said God said it, how on earth am I ever going to argue you out of that? You're going to say, well, God said it, but you know what, man? That Troy Bond really came up with a better argument than what God gave me, period. And so once we get to that point, listen, we've shut off the word. We've shut off the spirit. We've shut off any opportunity for anybody to, to give us counsel. And what we are personally is we are now dead in the water because we've eliminated it. We've eliminated any ability for the word to bring correction, for it to bring Reproof for to bring instruction in righteousness. Folks, listen, I've been preaching a long time. I've been walking with the Lord over 32 years uh, uh, with, without having any reason to look back. But you know what? I, I'm still learning. I'm still teachable. I'm still desirous to know the things of God. I still want to go deeper. I, I can still miss it if I if I get off point. I can, I can still do all of those things. And so I have made it a really a, a, a pattern in my life just to keep everything very close to the vest. I'm not looking at all the, the, the weird websites and looking for this strange doctrine and all this stuff. I'm not listening to every preacher on the television or on the radio. I just don't do that. I don't want somebody to speak to me and me to think that that was God trying to tell me something else. I think, well, that had to be God because that guy's really popular, and he said it was God, so it must be God. It's like, well, you go do what you got to do, but, man, I need to seek the face of God and hear from him for myself. And so Galatians brings us back to that place, and we're going to see this unfold over the next few months. And so what Galatians does, it really clearly demonstrates the essence of Christianity, that placing one's hope personally and directly with Christ plus nothing else is what it takes. Who does my faith rest on? Jesus and nothing else. Folks, I'm not saved by grace through faith plus membership in a church. I'm not saved by grace through faith, uh, plus my ability to memorize verses in the King James vernacular. I'm not saved by grace through faith and, and my ability to, to outdance everybody in worship. Or I'm not saved by those things. 
Now, I like doing those things. I like memorizing scripture in the, in the sing-song King James vernacular. Coming from that, that Pentecostal background, it just works good for me. You know what I'm saying? When I need to start strutting and preaching and stuff, it just, King James just struts a little better than the NLT. You know what I'm saying? But it's not salvation didn't come to me because of my ability to do that or, or to stop preaching and break out in a song midway through like some slick-back-haired evangelist or anything. That's not what I'm saved by. I was destitute, even though I wasn't a drug addict. I was destitute, even though I wasn't a, 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 a some profiteer. I was destitute, because not because of the things that I did, because who I was. By my very nature, I was broken. I was away from God. And God reached down in grace and mercy and found me. And that's the only reason that I would have anything to offer. Not because I went to the right Bible college, got the right degree, or, or had the right experience, or traveled more than someone else, or, or stand under an 18-foot duct tape red cross on Bourbon Street. None of those things make me more saved. What made me saved was the very fact that God in his mercy came down 2,000 years ago from his exalted place in glory, took on the form of sinful flesh, and became that sacrifice for sin that bore my sins and sorrows upon his body, upon the cross of Calvary, was laid in a borrowed grave, and three days later he rose again and now sits at the right hand of power. And I put my faith in that, and that faith alone, and that has enabled me to walk holy and righteous. Why? Because now my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and God has convicted me of sin and of righteousness and judgment and he brings me to that place and I'm not this human anymore. Do you hear me? Because if it was by anything else, I'd still be that guy that just says, you know what? I love God, but I'm only human. Now, I was only human before I got saved. Now, don't you realize who I am? As I've said before, I'm kind of a big deal now. I'm not the only big deal. Whosoever will can be a big deal. But I'm no longer just human. Why? Because you don't realize who lives inside of me. I've got the ultimate superpower. I'm saved. I'm sanctified. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I can cast out devils and speak in new tongues. I can pray for the sick and see them rise up. I can walk righteous because of the empowerment that he gave me. Can you do that? Oh, I can't do that. Well, you're just human. Get born again. If any man is in Christ, he's no longer just human. He's a new person. All the old human things have passed away, and I put on the spirit, man. I no longer walk by sight. I walk by faith. And if I walk in the spirit, I'm not fulfilling the lust of the flesh or that human side. Folks, that's what Galatians was. That was what the message we brought. And so that's where my faith hinges upon. So the basic thesis or the doctrine that we talked about, or we're going to be talking about, and that really that experiential outwork or that human orientation of the doctrine is really going to be illustrated in what we're going to find in Galatians 2.20. We talked about this. This is kind of the, 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 the go-to verse for our church here at Cross Life. And here's going to be the basis for everything else that we're going to study in the, uh, in the epistle of Galatians. Galatians 2.20. You know what it says? I've been Crucified with Christ. You get crucified, what does that mean? You dead. Okay? So my relationship with Jesus, as it's going to be revealed in the epistle of Galatians, starts with my death. Right? So the basis of my relationship right here in the epistle of Galatians starts with my death. And so if it starts with anything else, it's going to be built upon something else. And so I've got to die so that he can live. What did John the Baptist say? I've got to 
decrease so that he can increase. And so until I decrease, he don't have room to increase. And so what's the ultimate decrease? Death. And so if I die to who I am, I die to who I was, I die ideas, I die to my ambitions, then I've got a clean slate that he can bring resurrection life into me. What does Romans tell us? If that same spirit that we see dwells inside of us, 1 Corinthians 3 and 16 and 17, dwells inside of us, it will do what? It'll quicken us. It'll make us alive. It, the same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead, dwell out of me. It'll quicken me. It'll make me alive. It'll make my thoughts alive. It'll make my mind alive, my appetites alive. It'll make everything else alive when the rest of the time, all it was was described by this death. Death being sin. Okay? And so it changes. So I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives inside of me, and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. In the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I live by faith. I live by what was being attacked then and what's being attacked now. This thing called faith. Do you walk by faith? Do you walk by faith? See, I set you up, Eddie, so I can't ask you some of the questions I normally ask you. But if I said, do you walk by faith? And I said, you said, yeah, I walk by faith. Anybody here? Let me just ask it this way then. How many of you don't walk by faith? You get in the cameras, panning the room so we know who these folks are. Now, if I said, if you do walk by faith, I said, why do you walk by faith? You know what? You get a standard answer from church folks. Now, we've got the good church conversation. You know what church talk is, don't you? That's stuff that only works with church people, but outside of church, it really don't mean anything to anybody. And church people, we, we know how to have the conversation. We really don't know what it means. Oh, how you doing, brother? Oh, I'm too blessed to be stressed. What does he mean by that? Because I saw how he was acting when he had to wait for five minutes extra in the, 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 the drive-up window at Wendy's, you know. So I guess he wasn't too blessed to be hungry, distressed. So if you ask somebody what it means to walk by faith, you know, we give all these this good churchianity or Christianese type of conversations. But what does it really mean to us to walk by faith? Well, see, well, I just, I just trust God all the time. Well, is that an aspect of faith? Yeah, that's that's one aspect of, of faith. But if I'm genuinely walking by faith and I allow faith to come into my life, I'm just walking by the principles, every single one of them, which come out of the Word of God. Now, the fact of the matter is the enemy can't talk you out of all those at once. He's not. He can't talk you out of all those things at once. That's why he seduces. He seduces you like the, the seductress. With just a conversation or just a passing glance or just a little bit more attention or something that makes you feel better than what somebody else said or, or any of those things. He'll seduce you. He'll just take that word away from you just a little bit at a time. You know, what was it, 2000s? What was the year that the Saints won the Super Bowl? Don't start hoodatting me and all that stuff, please. What, what year was it? 2009, people were riveted in the area. You know, it's got to be God blessing us after Hurricane Katrina took the city. He's giving us the Super Bowl, you know, twisted stuff like that. I'm not a Saints fan. Heaven help me. I'm not a nobody fan, but Jesus fan, so it don't matter. I'm not rooting for any NFL team. But can you imagine Saints are in the Super Bowl? Was it a close game? I don't even know what the score was. What was the score? Anybody know what the score was? Anybody know? 27-13. What, what if it was a close game? And all of a sudden you're watching that game and, 
and you're sitting there, and it's it's coming down to the last few minutes and the final drive, and Drew is 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 rallying the crew, and they're just down by a few points. He's got the chance to go ahead and and claim the Super Bowl, and and all of a sudden somebody walks in your door, and you're sitting there with your buddies, and you got a bowl of popcorn there, and this guy you don't recognize him, and he picks up that bowl of popcorn, and you look at him like, I wonder who this guy is, and he starts eating your popcorn. And you're thinking to yourself, well, what is he doing, man? But you know what, man? The time is ticking down. My guess is that you're going to let him eat that popcorn, and you'll worry about who this guy is after the final drive. So he eats your popcorn, and he notice you don't say anything. So he walks out and with your popcorn bowl, and a couple minutes later, they're still going because it was a TV timeout. And now he's there, and he picks up your soda pop, and he starts drinking. You think, dude, that guy ate my popcorn. Now he's drinking my soda pop. But, man, the game's back on. I'll worry about the soda pop later. Folks, that's what the enemy does. He just comes back and comes back and just takes a little, takes a bit. And why did I let him do that? Well, because something else got you too busy. You were seduced by something else that seemed to have had more value. Folks, that's what's happened with people in the Word of God. That's what was happening at the church of Galatia that we're going to see Paul addressing. You know what? They had been given everything. They had been given this, this, this doctrine of salvation by faith. Through grace, uh, through faith, they've been, they've been the revelation of, of, of justification and sanctification through faith in the finished work of the cross of Calvary. But they started letting people come in and steal their popcorn and, and drink their Coke. And eventually they moved in with them and, and, and they began to, 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 to infiltrate the whole place. And so what happened is legalism. And even hedonism. You know what hedonism is? You know what hedonism is in, in, in just a definition? Hedonism is the belief that pleasure and happiness are the most important things. Now, most of you folks here tonight, amen, because of what God's done for you, where he delivered you from, chances are most of you wouldn't fall into the trap of legalism. If Pastor Sam stood up here Sunday and he said, all you ladies, listen, you're going to have to wear burqas to church. You know, the Muslim things, you have to do that. And, and guys, you're going to have to dress like pilgrims and wear buckles on your shoes and drive wagon. You're not, probably not going to do that. Pro probably not. Chris Cates might because he's already got the Amish beard going. So he might do it. And most, most people probably would not buy into that. But what about coming and saying, hey, listen, God just wants you to enjoy yourself. That's what it's all about. I mean, God don't want you weighted down by all this repentance and sin stuff. God ain't into that. Man, he's already done that stuff for you. Live and let live. Have a good time. Don't you know that, man, your sins are paid for, past, present, and future? So why even bring those things up? Because he's not going to bring those things up. you got to do what you got to do and just live your life. Folks, that's the most popular message in the church today. There's congregations that number in the tens of thousands that are built upon hedonism or the belief that really what God wants for you is your best life now. He wants you to be happy. He wants you to be wealthy and he wants you to be famous. And anything less is not Jesus. That's somebody trying to talk you out of your inheritance. Don't you know, brother, you're the head and you're not tail. Well, I thought he said that the greatest in the kingdom is the servant of all. I thought that's what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to decrease. We're supposed to serve. We're supposed to lay our life down, not to parade and preen ourselves like we're the, the, the greatest thing that's happened since sliced bread. But, folks, there's that seduction that has come into the church 
we see in the book of Galatians. But unfortunately, the same things, the legalism and the and the uh, and the formalism, some of those things in the church as well. And so what it does, it not only establishes that justification is apart from law or works, but it also demonstrates that sanctification fits the same category that he talks about having begun by the spirit that you'll find this when we get to galatians 3 and 3 he said will we be brought to perfection or maturity by the spirit and not by the law with works that's the message is that is sanctification is not by the spirit it's by the law that's what they tried to bring into the church and that's what we're going to begin to see how it's found itself into the church in this day and age so folks here's the thing outwardly fleshly conduct can be legalized to a certain extent it can Look at the Pharisees. But the life of the Spirit cannot be legalized. And the essence of really the Christian experience is Christ and the Spirit and life of the believer. So Galatians, we're going to find it's going to affirm the fact that, you know, we see through Romans 6 through 8. If you've studied our Romans teaching, you see some of these things. It was written years later. It's really going to affirm that, listen, what it comes down to is I'm going to walk a life in the Spirit and not of the flesh. But outwardly, that fleshly conformity to rules or regulations or, or even the best rules and regulations will never produce the fruit of the Spirit within you has anybody ever thought to themselves listen if i could just fast a little bit more i would get victory i used to do that i didn't have victory i just got hungry period anybody ever think stuff like that listen man god what god wants me to do is god wants me to punish myself enough then he'll do something folks that's the trap then i think listen if i could just be hungry enough and walk around thinking to myself, listen, I said I was going to fast today, and, and officially the day ends at midnight. So, man, I'm glad that the drive-up window at Cane's is open. I'm going to get me a Caniac, and I'm, praise God, God's going to say you held out till midnight. So, praise God, I'm going to put a fresh anointing on you. You've got to be kidding me. Do we think that God is just somewhere upon a celestial throne being mean-spirited and thinking to himself, ha, 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 I tricked them into going hungry all day, but now I'm going to bless them because they held out till midnight and they didn't turn into a pumpkin. Folks, we, we can laugh about that stuff, but isn't that the reality of what we've reduced Christianity to? And as a result, we've reduced the cross to something like that? God's going to love me more because I've done this. No, there is not a see in your flesh, your efforts dwells no good thing. There's nothing you can say. There's nothing you can do. There's no hoop that you can uh, jump through that's ever going to justify you before God. Because you know what? As good as you are, there's always going to be somebody that does a little bit better. As much money as you give, somebody's going to write a bigger check. As much time as you spend, somebody else is going to uh, mark off an another hour more than you. And you're going to think to yourself, man, I just thought I had them. But folks, all we got to do is look back at the finished work of the cross of Calvary. And listen, you do all you need to do. I'm justified by faith. I'm sanctified by faith in the finished work of what Christ Jesus did. My empowerment, my ability to obey is not because I had the right pedigree and the right background or I stayed uh, away from the right narcotics or whatever it is. I didn't find myself in the wrong relationships. Absolutely not. My faith is I realize that regardless of how good I did anything or how many pats on the back or how many likes on Facebook that I got, at the end of the day, that the only thing that's going to change before God is his son Jesus and my faith in what he did. And so what does that enable me to do? That enables me to do what Ephesians 2 and 9 says. I've been created under good works. And I don't do those things to get God to love me. But I can do those things because God did love me. 
man, I serve because I just can't help it anymore. I fast because, listen, man, sometimes you just got to put down the cheeseburger and pick up that, that, that time with God. You know, I go preach not because I'm thinking to myself, man, if I win enough people to the Lord, those that win souls are wise and I'll be wiser than everybody else. No, I do it because there's desperation crying out from the inside of me because the Spirit of God who's not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance dwells inside of me. And my thoughts are not my thoughts. My thoughts are his thoughts. And his thoughts, when he looked at the multitude, he was moved with compassion. He said, I pray the Lord of the heart. The labors of the harvest because it's plenteous, but the labors are few. There's something that burns inside of me that says that, listen, he takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. But if I don't warn them from their wickedness and they die in their sins, the blood is going to be on my hands. And I don't do it to get something. I do it because I got something. Do you hear me? And so my, my ability to walk in victory, oh, this is the victory that has overcome the world. Even my legalism, no. Even my hedonism, even my traditions, no. Even my faith. But the Church of Galatians talked out of a walk of faith. And so they were talked out of joy unspeakable and full of glory. Talked out of victory. They were talked out of the power of God being known in their life and the demonstration being seen in it. How about you? Because you got a good pastor that preaches the word. You do. you got good leaderships that, that teach it. But folks, listen. Even in the midst of that, there's all these other voices from all these various sources. And most of them are from within. They draw us away by our own lust, our own justification, our own enemies, our own fears, our own offenses, our old past. All those things that have interwoven themselves into the fabric of our being. That We just thought that that's just the way... It is. Folks, just because your flesh said it was that way doesn't make it that way. Whether that was the flesh of legalism or some other type of ism that takes you away from what Jesus did, folks, it's still evident. That's what Paul had to show back up. He planted these churches in, in Galatia, in the area called Gaul. I'm not going to get a lot of that stuff because at the end of the day, big deal, you know. But he went and those people birthed into a faith walk, a, a transitional, transformational experience with Christ. But people were able to come in. Why? Because this man that you sent to deliver us is delayed in coming down. Now what are we going to do? I'm not getting satisfied anymore. My itch isn't getting scratched anymore. This church isn't doing what they need for me anymore. That preacher isn't inviting me anymore. He's inviting him to lunch now. Or that woman's minister, or those people in the nursery didn't say that my baby was the cutest one in there. Folks, as petty as that is, that's the reality. Most people don't depart from the faith because of some illicit relationship, though some do. Most people depart from the faith. Why? Because they think it's about them. What can I get or what can I do? Folks, when it comes down to it, as much as we like to get from God, we like to think that if we could do something, suddenly we're going to impress God more than the other guy. Psalm 75 tells us that promotion doesn't come from the north, south, east, and west, that it comes from God, that he raises up one and he puts down another. I, I've asked myself for years and years, why on earth did he pick me? I didn't come with the right pedigree or the right family or anything. I came from all the things that would disqualify. Ah, 
that's what qualified me. I didn't have anything to offer. All I had was what Isaiah had to offer is, Lord God, I'm an unclean man and I dwell amongst an unclean people, but I'm here. I have an availability to you. If you'll give me through my faith in what Jesus did, here I am, send me. And I just have just kept saying, here I am. That's all I have to offer is, here I am. I'll do it. I'm willing to be a fool for you. I'm willing to get mocked. I'm willing to, to step out on the, uh, in, the, in the deep. I'm willing to do that, Lord God, because I know when I do that, because I, I know me, that it requires Jesus. Heaven help us when we step into something that doesn't need Jesus anymore, like legalism, like hedonism. If I just keep these certain statutes, if I just do enough things, then God's going to say, well, you got me on that one. You, you, you somehow backed me into a corner. You got me on a technicality. You prayed the sinner's prayer. Now, man, now you can live like the devil and be an adulterer and a drunkard and everything else. i got to let you to heaven because you said the magic words. Now, see, I say that because we don't consider those things the issue that Paul was addressing to the church of Galatians. We just consider that something that happens with every one of those stadium events that Billy Graham, the great one, did. Just pray this prayer and you're okay. We just bought into legalism, but it sounded so good because didn't you hear that singer saying, just as I am without no plea? Or there's room at the cross for you. And all you got to do is stamp the magic passport and you're into heaven and now just live like the devil you mean that's what they were talking about too see that's a little bit more enticing that's a little bit can get a little bit closer to you why because it doesn't come with horns and a pitchfork it doesn't come with a low-cut dress and six-inch spikes it didn't come with 90 proof written on the outside of the bottle but folks you see how we bind all those things rather than saying listen I'm coming to him, and I'm dying. I'm coming to him, and all of my faith, all of my hopes, all of my future, all of my strength, all of my ability is and always will have to be upon what Jesus did, period. Not Jesus plus my personality, not Jesus plus my upbringing or my education, but just Jesus. Because apart from Jesus, my personality never measures up. My ability or my past or my cool testimony about how bad of a person that I was. None of those things are going to measure up. So I just keep coming back to the cross. Okay. Yeah, you're right. But the cross. Yeah, I did. But the cross. Oh, you think that? But the cross. Man, that's great information. But what about the cross? Folks, that's what Paul was confronting. And that's why it's so relevant to where we are in this day and age. So I really challenge you. I got to page one of five tonight, so you can kind of see maybe the way to go. But folks, I want to lay a groundwork for you in that to see really why we study the Word of God and how easy it is to fall into those snares, into those traps. Do you want victory? I'm not talking about rah-rah victory. You hear what I'm saying? A lot of times you think about, do you want victory? Yeah, look at me. I'm the guy that's doing the calisthenics at church. I'm not talking about that. I'm not that guy. I'm not that guy that's always over here. You know, I'm, I'm not him. But I'm also not that guy that's in the mully grubs. I'm just not him either. I'm just this guy. You know, I, I'm just that guy that wants to be steady as she goes, very predictable, very patient. 
I want to be in the midst of victory. I don't want to get, I don't want to fall behind, but I don't want to get too far ahead either. When the pillar of cloud moves or the pillar of fire, I want to be in lockstep with that pillar. Do you want to know that? Do you want to be that? Galatians, that's going to teach us how to get there.